Once Blind Podcast, your host, Carlos. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Once Blind Podcast. Today's going to be a new series. I'm just adding these on as I go along, but this is going to be for the apologetics. And today we're going to tackle contradictions in the Bible, or so they say. So I decided to go to every, well, not every, there's millions of them, but the most known atheist websites and look up what they consider to be contradictions in the Bible or discrepancies in the Bible. I have three main ones. I'm probably going to mention others as they come to mind, but I went with three main ones, three that if they were correct to be contradictions, then it would completely take the Bible out of the game because we bank on the Bible to be the word of God and the perfect word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. If there were contradictions, that would be an issue. Now, we have 44 different books of the Bible. We have, I'm sorry, 66 different books of the Bible, 44 different authors, three continents, in a time span of uh, anywhere from 2,000 to 3,000 years, depending whose calendar you're going on. Either way, and the way this came to be, I'm also recording this for you guys to know. I've been doing a project with my brother, uh, DJ One Way, who used to be up here in Dirty Jersey, but now he is down in North Carolina. He's still DJing out there, doing his thing, still trying to minister however he can in that area. And uh, he's still, you know... Grinding with a lot of the stuff he does as a DJ, music, he puts together mixtapes for whether it would be mixtapes for worship music, Christian hip-hop, he even gets into the whole rock scene, and uh, I don't think he gets into heavy metal, but uh, not many people do. But either way, Christian music, he puts it together, and everything he does, he puts out for free. Uh, for those of you that are in North Carolina, if you ever need a DJ for a party, his name is DJ One Way, hit me up and I'll shoot you the info. He is in, uh, let's say, real close to Raleigh. But either way, so this is actually something that he's going to be putting on to the, I think this is the third edition of Tough Love. I know I was a part of two of them. There might be another one in there. Sorry, DJ One Way, if I messed this up. But either way, we're going to start off again. So-called contradictions in the Bible. So the first one is... They say, right, so they take Genesis 32, 20, and they say, so Jacob called the name of the place, Benel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. But they say the contradiction is, is that Jesus later on in uh, John 1.18 says, no one has seen God at any time. Oh, no. Jesus says no one has seen God at any time. Uh, Jacob says he saw God face to face. This is a contradiction. Nope. So, the reason this is not a contradiction is because Jesus is speaking of God, the Father. No one has seen God, the Father. The closest person that has ever gotten to seeing God, the Father, was Moses. Moses saw 
the glory of God, and not only the glory of God, but the aftermath of after God passed through, he just saw the backside, okay, of the glory of God, and it it caused him to fall back, gave him temporary blindness, and it, it, it wasn't good for him, but he didn't see God. So Jesus was not lying. No one has seen God the Father face to face. But wait a second. What is Jacob then talking about? So we know throughout the Old Testament, and it's funny, you got to pay attention to a lot of the atheist remarks about contradiction. They're always going back and forth from old to new. They're not understanding concept, context, what is literal, what is, um, you know, what is allegorical, because sometimes they're trying to use parables as a form of discrediting the Bible. But in this case, they're using something that Jesus said with something that was written about Jacob. So Jacob says, for I have seen God face to face. Well, this is what's called a Christophany. Abraham, years before or whatever amount of time, because I don't know the exact time right now, also saw this Lord face to face. So, oh no, are you saying, no, these are Christophanies. Now understand that Jesus showed himself as the messenger of God. But see, when you read John 1.18, it is in its context that he's speaking of God the Father. So they try to say that Jesus and God are the same now. They don't believe in the Trinity, and they can't accept the Trinity. But at this point now, they're combining the two essence of God, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, two of them, as to equate to one. Which, if they were using this to prove that God, Jesus, and God, the Father, were one, then yes, this is what that proves, but the statements that are being made are two completely different essence of who the Godhead and God the Son are. So no one has seen God the Father. Jesus was right. Abraham, I'm sorry, Abraham and Jacob, but we were talking about Jacob, Genesis uh, 32, 30. He saw, he wrestled with God because we know that this is that story where he was coming back he didn't want to come back. He was scared. He didn't know what to do. And he wrestled with God and he said, I wouldn't let you go till you bless me. Which is also another way of Jesus showing himself as God because God is the one that blesses. For Jacob to know that this is a person that he has to hold on to in order to get a blessing is actually kind of amazing. So not a contradiction, but if you read it out of its context, you could possibly try to make it a contradiction. Definitely not one. The second one that they try to use, and again, I, I just grabbed three of the most used ones throughout different websites of atheist websites that say contradiction. So this one's more about human sacrifices. So Leviticus 18.21, And you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire to Molech, nor shall you profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Judges 11.29 starts with a, a story, really, okay? And this story is about a man who 
Uh, I'm going to massacre his name. I'm sorry, guy. Uh, Jessafeth. Jess, uh, Jeff, uh, yeah. just going to call him Jay for right now. So Jay is about to go to war. Let me read this scripture to you. So Judges 11, starting in verse 29. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Jeff, Jay, and he passed through Gilead and Manasseh and passing through Mispeth of Gilead and from Mispeth of Gilead, oh, all these names, Gilead, he advanced towards the people of Ammon. And Jay made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will indeed deliver the people of Ammon into my hands, then it will be that whatever comes out of the doors of my home or house, whatever version you have, to meet me when I return in peace from the people of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it up as a burnt offering. Now, it sounds like he's going to sacrifice anything that comes out of his house. This is what he said. He's going to give it up as a burnt offering. The skeptics will say that because he, because God is omnipresent and omnipotent and knows all things, right, that God knew what he was going to sacrifice and God allowed it. Uh, yeah, at what point do we start thinking that we know what God is thinking? But either way, verse 32 continues. So, Jephath advanced towards the people of Ammon to fight against them, and the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he defeated them from Aror, as far as Minith, 20 cities, and to Abel Kermim with a very great slaughter. Thus the people of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. When Jephath, or Jang, came to his house at Mizpah, Miss Pa, whatever. There was his daughter coming out to meet him with timbrels and dancing, and she was his only child. Besides her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he tore his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter. Alas is not her name. But anyways, my daughter, you have brought me very low. You are among those who trouble me. For I have given my word to the Lord, and I cannot go back on it. Oh, no, he's going to sacrifice his daughter. No, keep reading. There we go. So she said to him, my father, if you have given your word to the Lord, do to me according to what has gone out of your mouth, because the Lord has avenged you of your enemies and the people of Ammon. Which, by the way, I'm stopping here, nothing to do with contradictions, but what faith, what love does this woman have? She has no clue what was the promise at this point. And she says, whatever you promise God, do to me. I'm down. Rocking. Go for it. Okay? I want you to honor your vow to God and do to me whatever. Like, come on, where's this type of faith today? But anyways, let's go back to it. So, after she says that, then she said to her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone for two months, that I may go and wander on the mountains and bewail my virginity, my friends and I. So he said, go, he sent her away for two months. She went with her friends and bewailed her virginity on the mountain, and it was so at the end of two months that she returned to her father, and he carried out his vow. 
with her which he had vowed. She knew no man. So he didn't sacrifice or have a human sacrifice, okay, and vowed her or burnt her or did any type of offering in the way they're trying to portray. Because remember, the scripture that they're using is actually not even necessarily about human sacrifice, but it's more of abortion, right? Because the scripture that they're using is Leviticus 18.21, and you shall not let any of your descendants pass through the fire of Molech. Well, what was sacrificed to Molech? See, again, atheists and non-believers and all these people that want to go against the Bible, they want to pick and choose whatever they want, and they want to turn it into whatever they want. But see, anything that was sacrificed or burnt offering to Molech had to do with, by the way, something we're doing today. It's called abortion. They would take their babies, put them on a, a, a tabernacle. No, not a tabernacle. What would that be called? Let's just call it a table of fire for now. And they would burn babies to Molech. So in this thing, they're talking about Planned Parenthood. I'm sorry, no. They're talking about offering their babies to Molech. And we're still doing this today throughout the world, especially in this country where millions and millions and millions of babies are being killed. But that's what the scripture is talking about in its context. But yet, they take it out of its context to make it seem a human sacrifice. So, ah, here's Jephthah, and he's having a human sacrifice. But see, no. Even if you take that scripture out of context and try to say what you're trying to say, you're wrong. Because he never physically sacrificed her. What he did is she never knew a man. He sacrificed her virginity, if you want to. She stayed with him for the rest of her life, didn't marry, didn't have children. Not the same. So that's two. Okay, and for both of these, are they contradictions? No. And the third one, and this is laws of physical harm, is kind of what they labeled it. And they use Exodus 21, starting in verse 23. But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, Stripe for stripe. So in its context, this is a law used to judge each other. And it was such a strong law that it kept people from doing harm from one to another. But this law in its context were for the Jewish community. That if in a fight, we got into a fight and I lost my life, and you were wrong, you had to give your life. If I lost my eye, you would have to give your eye, a tooth for a tooth, hand, so on, so forth. Because see, a man at that time didn't have the options of collecting social security or anything if there was a disability or he couldn't sue one to another. So the idea was is that you're going to lose what you took from someone else. And as hard as they would have to work with whatever was missing, that's how hard you are going to have to work. And this isn't even one of the strongest laws, but they use this. And the scripture that they say contradicts it, okay, the discrepancy that they see here is in Matthew 5, 39. But 
I tell you, not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. <gasps> no, this, this, this is the same thing. No, no, it's not. See, he's talking about the abuse from the Romans. He's talking about the abuse from the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and all those from the uh, Sanhedrin, and all those that were in power at that time, that were abusing their power just like the Romans were. See, so in, in this scripture that we just read, what he's telling them is that you don't have to fight back for everything. You, if they smack you, just turn the other way. Let them smack you on the other. And if you continue this in its context, it says, and if they tell you to walk a mile, then walk that mile. So Jewish law to a way of living is two different types. It's two different things. We're looking, we're, again, th this is what they do. They take two similar scriptures, especially when it's old to new, because a lot of the things that Jesus came to present, okay, are not contrary to the law, or not to tell you that the law is no good, but it is a different way of life. Jesus came to give life. And here's the thing. So if someone were to smack you, give them in your other cheek, just be peaceful. Who cares? It's not a sense of, hey, this law is no good, or hey, this is against the law. But it's in a way of saying even if it's just your brethren or, or, or someone, and they smack you in the face, don't, don't be quick to just jump at somebody. Just turn the other way, okay? Because Jesus came to teach us forgiveness, not to have bitterness. So a, a, a way of life is different from a law that was given. Now, both of these were meant to protect them because if a Roman smacked you and you fought back, you were put in prison or killed, they were both to protect and better someone's life. So one is the law that was given to them on how to judge their land. The other one is just a, a form of advice, you know. So again, it's a contradiction. No. No. Now, I'm going to give you one more. This is a bonus uh, because this one actually was like, whoa, this, this, this is actually pretty good unless you know your Bible. And this is also one of the only ones that I saw that was Old Testament in Old Testament. So, having no idols. The third commandment is, and it's Exodus 20, verse 4. You shall not make for yourselves a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. No idols. Can't make idols. Now, an idol, in the way explained here, as you see, is something that they would make for themselves, a carved image, anything, and they would then serve it, put food underneath it, give them, uh, uh, they would pray to it, they would, they would treat it as if that were their actual God. So, in what we're reading here is don't make something for you to worship. See, like today, money is an idol. TVs can be an idol, computer stuff can be idols, all these things because we give everything to them. Everything is about them. People can be idols. We got to be careful. Sometimes our spouses can become idols. 
But in the way they're saying it here in the, in the scripture and what they're talking about is not making a carved image or anything for you to bow down, worship, so on and so forth. Don't serve them. So the scripture that they choose is, you, is in Numbers. It uh, starts in verse 5, but we're going to read verse 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole. And it shall be that everyone who is bitten, when he looks at it, shall live. So Moses had, excuse me, so Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And so it was, if a serpent had bitten anyone, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he would live. Oh no, God told Moses to create an idol. No, he did not. That is not an idol. They weren't supposed to bow to it. They weren't supposed to worship it. They weren't supposed to think of it as a god. They weren't supposed to think of it as anything. It actually was symbolism for a sign later on that Jesus then points back to and says in Nicode uh, to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, just as the serpent was raised on a pole, so shall I be raised up. And Jesus was put on a pole. It's called a cross. Oh, you mean, you mean context means something? Yes. So this pole, it was just a symbol for them to look at. So again, let's take Jesus out of the picture and the fact that Jesus painted the picture for them later on, if they just read on. But again, an atheist isn't looking for truth and then saying there is no truth. An atheist is looking for a way to say this is not truth, so I don't have to submit myself to it, so I don't have to say there is a God, and now I stop being God. See, because if there is no God, then I am God. And I am the authority of my own life. But if there is a God, oh, no, no, the rules change. If there is a God and there is a higher being than me, then I am subject to him. If there is someone who created me, then my breath does not belong to me, but he who created me. Oh, this is a problem. So now, when you read Numbers 21, so if anyone knows the story, right? So again, Jews in the desert, right? Uh, they're going through a hard time, and now they're complaining and grumbling to Moses. And as God normally, <laughs> as God does, he got a little upset with them, and he sent down some punishment sent down fiery snakes which only means poisonous okay and these poisonous snakes were biting them and they were going to die moses as he always does for the jewish people he goes back to god and says god god please 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 begging 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 and god listens to moses which again it's to paint the picture of moses's heart it's not that moses changed it changed his mind but, so he tells them, all right, this is how you're going to help them. You're going to put a snake on a pole. You're going to raise it up. Whoever looks at it, again, whoever looks at it shall live. That's it. It was just a symbol because you got to understand this, right? Imagine yourself. Imagine yourself bitten by a snake. You're about to die. You're in your tent. Here I come and I say, whoever you are, Hey, listen, come out, go look at the snake on the pole. Go, Moses put a snake. Go, look, I got bit, I'm alive. Come, look. You're either going to say, I got nothing to lose. I might as well look. Oh, whoa, I'm living. Or you stay in your tent and you tell me to go 
kick rocks because uh, you want to die in peace, which is funny. We tell people to look at the cross, Jesus, forgiveness, payment of sin, resurrected, proved that what he said was true. Look at the cross. Because as Christians, that's what we do. We look back to the cross. And people say, ah, take your Jesus and take your Jesus and So that's what this symbolizes, which is funny, because we still tell atheists to look at the cross. And yet they take this story and they try to use it to prove a point to themselves, to make themselves feel better about the fact that they're riding their wave straight to the destination that they've chosen, which is hell. They're choosing this because the evidence is in the Bible. Again, 66 books, 44 different authors, in a time span of over two, 3,000 years with, okay, the space of three continents, not one contradiction. If you think you've found one, if you think you know one, and not a difference of perspective, come on, be smarter than that. Send something. Put it in the links. Comment, send an email. You already have all the social media stuff. But in the end, my brothers, these are three so-called contradictions. Another one just for fun. People will say that Chronicles and Kings runs on two different uh, time frames. You're right, it does. You're right, but it's not a contradiction. Kings runs on a Jewish time frame, which they count the moons. And Chronicles runs more of a Babylonian time, I believe it is. Either way, it's a different time where they count sun down. So, not a contradiction. Have fun with that. God bless you guys. Thank you for dropping by. Please remember to subscribe, to share, like, and to catch the next one.